Welcome back to the Spinner Rack, all of you new Umaniacs. I love that new tagline, by the way. Uh, here, I can say that because I didn't come up with it. Uh, here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We are your hosts, Stephen and Andy, going over lots and lots of books. Uh, because as of this point, we're 52 weeks and 99 books in. Uh, almost 2300 pages and we'll be recapping the issues 7 through 12 and a handful of extra long annuals uh, for you in this episode so yeah going through and talking about each of the surviving series uh, in our previous episode if you haven't checked that one out um, definitely do and we talked about all the stories that got canceled that we won't see anymore from here on in but all of these books uh, thankfully have issue 13 so or in the case of star brand issue 10 because <laughs> they well, they didn't feel like publishing it on time at that point they'll they'll have a 13 eventually i guess i, I don't know yeah the um if you are just tuning in we this is the second half to the season two recap um there's also a season one recap uh which i think is also two episodes where we go over issues one through six of each of the books. Um, they're not divided up. In the same, they're just in the order they came out. And uh, we talk, uh, recap the series at that point and what it was like um, going, we expected going forward from there. And now we are a whole year in. Some of the books were canceled, but some of them are still continuing. And we've got a bright future ahead of us. And so we'll go over what they've been like the last few months, uh, what we expect the next few months maybe, and um, sort of why we think these books succeeded or where they succeeded and the other uh, versus the others in the new universe. Right. And um, when, when I was thinking about these comics, uh, while while we've been rolling through season two and kind of you know going through each episode, and you know as as we got down to the end, I had kind of the thought in my head that these uncanceled books had gotten uh, maybe more regular creative teams or more regular writers. But I was actually a little bit off on there, really. I mean, DP Seven obviously was the one that never changed, so we we had a. Uh, Paul Ryan and Mark Gruenwald the entire way through, uh, except for the annual, right? That was a different artist. Um, but yeah, Starbrand was all mixed up. You only had four issues, but two of them were written by Carrie Bates, and then you know the rest were different people. And uh, Sci Force was a little bit consistent because we had like four issues of Danny Fingeroth, but um, still, like you know, it's. It jumps around, uh, and Justice jumped around more than I thought it did. We had like three in a row of Conway and Giffen. Um, so, yeah, it was actually a little less consistent than I thought it was for these group, but um, yeah, I guess that was a little yeah. bit surprising. Yeah, that's always been one of the criticisms of the new universe was the lack of uh, consistent creative teams. And certainly we look at uh, DP7 as a success, and we think, well, that was because the one team was on there and really driving it um yeah it's 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 a more of a mixed bag than than 
aside from them um, and Starbrand, which had started off with a strong run with a you know consistent creative team, we're now getting more random activity there. And Cyforce and Justice both, um, yeah, move around a lot. So you get, you know, even when you think you're you're you've got a creative consistency, it's about fifty percent of the time. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I I was trying to think of like if there's an overall thing that I thought was was helpful. It was um, one was the sense of progress that each yeah. of these books are kind of building or moving forward. Right. Um, Not so much Starbrand, but the other three, yes. <laughs> the other three, yes. Uh, compared to like Night Force, which we both enjoy a lot, but didn't really feel like it was headed in a direction. You mean Night Mask, right? Night Mask, yeah. Night Force was the repainted subgroup of G.I. Joe, where they oh. took the figures and made them all like black and gray. Well, forget that then. <laughs> Not to be confused with Night Boat from The Simpsons. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it was, uh, you know, that one had something kind of finally going for it. But, uh, but yeah, I think it was that consistency of like the story was moving along that kind of made me think in the back of my head that Cyforce and Justice had a more consistent team. But I guess they just had, you know, maybe better editing, but also a little sad if you look at all the writers like from the whole of our season two right from issues seven and beyond that's just one plot from jim shooter (laughs) written by uh uh, roy thomas and that's it so yeah the um it's i don't know i was when i was looking over um the things last week and i was saying to you that um you know you could put together a run of three or four books for a lot of these and um three or four issues that would really give you a nice story um if you wanted to put together a trade paperback in a couple of cases you might have to redraw one or two of those issues to really make it hang together or be that good um for like the like the merc first four issues the writer was consistent but the art fell apart yeah and, it seemed really rushed yeah so and it'd, be, and it'd be a little strange in a collected work to jump between uh keith giffen and not keith giffen honestly right so like uh if you had took the giffen justice issues and maybe had a giffen drawn cat you know final issue that would be like a strong story for you to sell justice with but Unfortunately, Giffen was not available, I guess. And so we didn't get a justice annual, you know, there's, there's a million who knows what was going on behind the scenes questions we might have, but um, so yeah, the, the books, I think they had a sense of progress. They also had like really clear characters or characterization and somehow even switching writers, they would stay consistent. I think Cyforce, um, Starbrand, uh, maybe something didn't change, but um, and Justin, yeah. yeah, those guys were a lot. You could like sort of sense that personality through the books, through the different writers, right? And I, have, I to this day, I still have a problem identifying the troubleshooters 
but not so much <laughs> Cyforce or DP7, right? It helps that the characters in Cyforce and DP7 are pretty much in every issue because um, it's kind of their book, uh, whereas the troubleshooters were always hard to keep track of. Yeah, the, the, the yeah. So I mean, that's probably I mean, why they started killing them, right? It's like maybe they can remember <laughs> three troubleshooters. <laughs> so funny. I was just remembering. Sometimes in like a movie, it'll be like they'll have a, a small group and be like, "Oh no, one of us is gonna die," and they like kill the most, the only like diverse character. Mm-hmm. So it's like at least they didn't kill Teresa and like leave everyone else. It's like, um, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty well-used movie trope. <laughs> All right, Andy and Tim, we can totally distinguish you two. <laughs> let's not... Andy's yeah. got glasses? <laughs> Ouch. Um, so anyway, the, the directions changed, but they were like slow enough or reasonable enough that you didn't feel lost um, a lot yeah. of times. Um, I don't know. Yeah, the biggest shift is probably justice when it's kind of like switching between anybody else and and again Giffen who had that like real tonal change, you know, almost kind of going back to issue one. Uh, so I think those Conway Giffen issues, and maybe we should talk about it more during the uh, justice section, but you know it felt a lot more like when Archie Goodwin was writing it, which I think was, he only wrote maybe one issue and then him in Nightmask kind of like that more like, okay, this guy's a little scary. Yeah. There's maybe this, um, Giffen's, um, tone really, you know, stands apart from a lot of the other, uh, creators, but, uh, it worked super well in that, uh, series so yeah big thanks to him hmm. um are you ready for pointless cover trivia shit hit me with it <laughs> so uh last episode i talked about the the new universe banner on the top mm-hmm. and you know typically it always started off kind of black background white letters but then they throw in some colors and we were always throughout the seasons trying to be like, Hey, maybe there's some meaning or maybe they're just trying to match something. And it doesn't always work, but um, for this batch of star brand side force justice and DP seven, seven through 12, uh, again, 11 white on black backgrounds. Uh, the second most for sure is yellow. So four yellows, there was a bunch in the last grouping. So I think a total of eight, and then there's a purple, there was a hot pink, which is a one-off as far as I can know, uh, and an orange. Uh, it seems like in October, they did a lot of reverse color scheme kind of thing. So either white background, black letters, or some kind of like red and white, blue and white. So yeah, all I, piled up on your floor, you can kind of tell when they're doing these things. I assumed they were headed like they were going to you know, from there go on, we're going to do a different uh, take on it instead of the black background and colors on front. So, And then even more pointless, I flipped them all over and looked at the back covers and like the ads are pretty consistent, except the rarest back ad from issues 7 to 11 is the TSR Marvel's superhero role-playing game. There's only three of those of all these issues. 
and the rest are laser tag. Wow. And that's across like all eight series. So okay. Interesting. <laughs> Pointless. But as I was stacking them up, I just said, hey, they all match nicely. And it's like you got Chips Ahoy and Wedding of Peter Parker and some Dungeons and Dragons and Mad Balls. <laughs> Mostly yeah, I remember the TSR ads, but maybe that's just because that's what I enjoy the most. Um the connection yeah, of like role playing games to comics was always stronger in my head than yeah. it was in the real world. So, at this point, I wonder it... if role playing games are more popular than comic books. Good question. It was all, you, you know, early comic book stores would either be right next to a game store or they it'd be the comics and game store. Yeah, I know college kids and grade school kids that play. Dungeons and Dragons, but I don't know any of them that read comic books. Wow. That's a I never sample, but I would have thought, yeah, comics would survive into the far future and uh, role-playing games would struggle as like the model railroading of uh, our generation, but who knows? Yeah, yeah. So, let's see. So, by my... Um, Paraphrase, we have canceled Nick Fury, Sandman, Iron Man, and Challengers of the Unknown. But we've continued with Superman slash Green Lantern, the X-Men, New Mutants, and Punisher. Okay, so Nick Fury is Mark Hazard? That's as close as I could get. Iron Man is Jenny Swenson Spitfire. Challengers is Kickers, Inc., and Sandman is Nightmask? Okay. Yeah. You can't so, Sandman? Not guess. Sandman, the... Uh, what's his face? Popular the guy. One. <laughs> hmm? Yeah, is it the DC Sandman or the Vertigo Sandman? It can be either. It is like the like weird Kirby run from the 70s. That, um, I don't know who... who who else goes into dreams? Um, yeah, Nightmask. That's who. <laughs> <laughs> but, so Superman uh, Green Lantern is Starbrand. X-Men, would that be DP7 or Cyforce? Well, that's where I split X-Men and New Mutants. Right. Like the, the adult team and the teen team. Mm, okay. And uh, I mean, I think from a like publishing point of view, we don't know a lot about the um, sales, and so they'll they'll tell us that Night, New Universe was very uh, low sales, but we do see some top ten lists in Marvel Age sometimes, and you can imagine X Men um, and their spinoffs, New Mutants, X Force, are all pretty popular around this time. Yeah. I think Punisher's come back up with his own title yet. Um, and I don't know. It's weird that to me still in a way that uh, Starbrand has Superman and Green Lantern elements. Like maybe, you know, they thought, well, you know, there's some ideas from you know, DC that we can repurpose and it's harder to um, 
work into a Marvel situation, but it's an interesting uh, addition to a new universe situation. Yeah. Well, there's always been like, uh, I mean, I guess there hasn't always been, but especially in like the nineties and two thousands, there was a lot of like Superman ish characters, you know, like Superman, but he's kind of a bit jerk or like the authority or something. Uh, yeah. You know. well, yeah. This is a little before they all started going bad where like, if you had Superman, you like it would be the premise was that he was he would be evil yeah it was like prime or something from like malibu like all these like weird takes on the superman character kind of thing yeah dark horse um whatever heroes world or whatever it was Um, yeah they the supreme in uh, rob liefeld's all right Um, what if superman didn't have feet like you can i mean these things couldn't be more like thinner characterization and then they get like alan moore to do a couple issues and like okay well maybe it's worth (laughs) checking out i don't know um so yeah the the i mean if you're uh looking to to increase sales focus on the books that are most similar to your highest selling books i guess i guess yeah and this is probably kind of the early era in the mid to late 80s where you know before then you wouldn't really have spin-off series that would be super big i mean maybe spider-man was the earliest but x-men really kind of kicked it into gear starting to have a lot of x-men books and then maybe superman for dc or, or i guess batman too with the batman detective but then they started doing uh all the other ones all right yeah and the a couple of years before this, they probably started with a spinoff. And by now they're starting to think, you know, maybe an extra spinoff would, you know, they'll, they'll start sort of adding to that until they max out. And uh, I don't think in the X-Men, they maxed out for quite a while there. So No. Let's have a weekly X book and uh, let's have two weekly X books. Jeez. <laughs> let's burn out our audience. And lots of variant covers. Variant. So um, I guess I should say like the, so from phase one to two, we had, we went from uh, initial creative teams and maybe an initial direction and then some reassessment, sometimes a change of of direction. And um, sometimes better, sometimes eh, less satisfying. Um, But from two to three, I think, you know, we've lost Jim Shooter. We've got the books consolidated under a single editor, and they've been promising us tighter continuity and more, you know, interaction. So, and then we, you know, without spoiling ourselves, we're aware there's a couple of like key changes of direction still coming up, like either in the middle or the end of this next six months of issues. So we'll see things really, I don't know, head into their final form soon. Hmm. Um, so how close that is to what we've started with and uh, is still an open question, but um, I don't know. Yeah. He- Those will be big changes too, probably because up until now, like we, like we're still kind of running the, path of the series you know whether they survived or not it you know feels like a run from one to twelve like 
right mostly all the same characters mostly doing all the same stuff right only one kind of sort of reinvention with uh spitfire but otherwise everybody's kind of been you know the same squad no deaths kind of thing yeah so we'll get um like consistent back half creative teams i guess um People, you know, very quickly say, oh, yeah, I loved it when so-and-so took over Justice, so-and-so took over Force. That's when it really took off. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We've been having fun with the, with the initial directions, but um, open to experimentation. <laughs> As usual. All right. Do we Put me out of context on that. <laughs> <laughs> I will snip that bit of audio. <laughs> Uh, should we jump on into the uh, series themselves? We should. And I can start us off with the star brand. Uh, our shortest bunch of issues, for sure. Not even close. Uh, a sad little seven through nine, plus an annual for some reason. Uh, which we had been guessing that maybe they just took two issues and crammed them into one book. And made it hard for us to review the whole thing in a reasonable amount of time. But anyway, um, in case you've forgotten who Starbrand is, uh, everyman Ken Connell was given a power called the Starbrand under mysterious circumstances, uh, wanting to help others, but also afraid to expose himself. Another out of context piece. Uh, Connell struggles to grow up and find use for the brand's unlimited power while dating many, many available women and the occasional unavailable woman <laughs> on the beach and such um but yeah that was kind of uh like the first six issues you know he gets this power we've got this mystery of where did it come from there's an alien and there's also an old man but maybe they're the same thing and maybe he was kind of brainwashed uh so problems so as he kind of worked to figure out like what can he actually do with these powers how can he help people and kind of get away with it how can he do more things useful than just bend bumpers back into straightness? Um, You'll yeah, never but, stop with the bumpers. Come on. I hope not. Uh, but yeah. And, and lots of dating, which was honestly some of my favorite parts in the first bit. So lots of, uh, lots of different women really though. Barb, uh, the steady girlfriend and duck, the best friend slash devoted side girlfriend uh, really were kind of the, the, the key ladies and everybody else was just kind of hoping for their moment of Ken's glory. Um, but that was really the first six. Uh, and, you know, Ken really wasn't afraid to expose himself because most of the time when he exploded with energy, it would burn off all of his clothes. Uh, <laughs> but really only uh, some of his close friends probably caught a glimpse of that. But yeah, this this section really kicked off with issue seven, which was really kind of the final issue of the shooter run and kind of like the end of the old man story. Um, but yeah, so lots of stuff happened in this one. Uh, the relationship with Barb is pretty much over. Uh, he faces down the old man and actually wins. Um, there's some analogies with dogs that won't let go and keep biting kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, he wins. Uh, he saves Duck. The day is saved. Um, you know, he can breathe a little bit. And then it just kicks us straight into a bunch of fill-in issues. <laughs> so we haven't really got really much duck, even. Like, no lamenting over the lost relationship of Barb or any kind of continuation of the story. We got issue eight with an annoying orphan. Uh, and Ken 
fighting against nuclear waste, basically. Um, issue nine, uh, Ken visits Nightmask. Well, he visits, visits the Dream Clinic uh, to try and get some help, and Nightmask infiltrate, infiltrates his dream, and it's kind of like a weird, fun, Kirby homage kind of wackiness. Um, again, you know, the second appearance of the I guess it wasn't, he's not an orphan, but the annoying sick kid. The orphan was uh, Side Force. Make yeah, a annoying wish, uh, foundation of DP7, uh, right? Um, I'm getting all my annoying orphans mixed up. So, annoying. Right, there kid. was an orphan in DP7. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, he was like sick from toxic waste birth defect or something. And, right, uh, right. You know, it's living like on borrowed time. But you're complaining about your toxic waste exposure. <laughs> Why can't you give me the power, Kenny? Why can't you give me the power? <laughs> that would um, be a spinoff. Super duck. He's, uh, yeah, the kid is, um, you know, kind of confronting Ken with the idea of being a quote unquote superhero. And then in the follow up issue, he's, he didn't last too long at all. And uh, Ken is is sort of struggling with the guilt of not being able to be a comic book superhero. And I don't know it. it they're not super satisfying issues, but they're it's interesting to see them sort of um, thinking about like I mean, what's how the new universe is different from the Marvel universe, and you know what does that mean for these characters? Ken can't just, you know, fly to the moon and get a cure from an alien or something for this kid. And, you know, the kid, even though, you know, he's, he, he thinks comic books are great and everything, it's, yeah, he won't be able to overcome real world problems with them. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's kind of what the book has been about, right? You know, what would it be like to have these, you know, amazing powers kind of thing. Uh, but those issues are a little heavy on the, you know, moralizing and kind of grappling with, you know, oh no, woe is me kind of stuff. Uh, made me miss the shooter Romita stuff. Um, and yeah, the annual was kind of, again, sort of a change. The, the two uh, annoying sick kid issues were Carrie Bates. And then we went to Bobby Chase for the annual, which was kind of a weird story of his friend uh who was a skiing champion who invited him over just to you know prove that his wife would cheat on him with ken <laughs> uh, oh yeah i mean it was i understand the like romance angle is good with ken but that was not a great example of it and it kind of just ends with a more more self-imposed moral dilemmas and unhappiness that you know does it, it it felt like overdone and sort of off topic yeah so and they killed and, off both of his friends too right like the friend and the the, the love interest who um, who kind of rebuffed him at the end but then ended up getting killed yeah so you know without having to retcon things a lot that just yeah the deep tour that went nowhere so right it felt um uh, so yeah, you've got a strong like issue seven, and then bi-monthly gaps waiting for the next thing to come out, and it's just yeah, fill-ins, kind of plate spinning, 
not really feeling the progress that I was just talking about two minutes ago. So yeah, <laughs> I, I know I have, I have fond memories of issue 10 and uh, like, I feel like I've just been waiting forever for it to show up. <laughs> right. Right. I was kind of hoping it would work into the end of this, but it's, it doesn't fit like chronologically. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I think, yeah, you get like, the, it's the last with this um, creative, whatever roundhouse and then we get a like new creative team coming in and being consistent for a while after that so we've got that to look forward to um so for now it's like star brand was is like i think you even said last time i would have been happier if it was canceled and then like continued in this like we don't know what we're doing with it way but yeah i i get that they wouldn't cancel it because um well i mean it's not really like the flagship series but it kind of is i think it's like a, a big obvious superhero-ish kind of character uh maybe the sales were better than the other books or at least initially um but yeah, yeah i, I, I can remember they were kind of like... holding on to it and, and saying like all right let's keep star brand you know because we can kind of do interesting stuff with this i mean yeah it, it... It definitely is like we we can do an interesting story, even if we haven't thought of it yet. Yeah, you would you would definitely think we can we can make something out of it. I do remember though, like the one time the new universe was on that top ten list was just the first ones coming out, the Star Brand and Spitfire. So I can imagine it, you know, hanging on to a good amount of that audience with especially with Shooter and Ramita. So you know, keeping it. Uh, sales relatively high whereas spitfire might have fallen off pretty quickly yeah um so let's see it i mean the ending with the shooter wasn't like perfect but um it was good you maybe have seen the last of the old man hmm. uh, but, um, <laughs> you know too much i've yeah, it's a. Um, I don't know. So yeah, oh, I remember now. the the it, The question that came to me was: Is shooter necessary? Is it just too idiosyncratic to continue under another uh, writer or artist? Yeah, for for me, he kind of is. Honestly, I think uh, you know the the only books that I really like to go back and read again in the comic book world are these like nice succinct runs where you've had pretty much the same writer. Like you can get by with different artists, I think, but like once things change writer, the new writer always wants to do their own thing. Right? And I, I guess they should kind of have to want to, but uh, it's just never the same. Like they're always like introducing some new person or kind of changing the, internal dialogue and you, know, you, you can't copy the other person and so maybe if you try it ends up bad but yeah for me with Starbrand, one through seven is the entire series and the rest is fan fiction so yeah marvel has i mean been going for 25 years at this point and so all their initial characters have like all these edges sanded off so they really are just sort of easier to pick up and run with i imagine for a creator yeah. um, whereas these guys are they're new and 
you know, I, I think looking at, at uh, all these books, you know, you, you pick up the new universe and you sort of, you have this initial direction and you're, you're sort of also thinking, where would I take this idea? And you're kind of always comparing, you know, what, what comes out to, to that. Um, and Starbrand was consistently like doing better than I uh, would expect in the beginning. And then it's kind of below what I expect. So, yeah, uh, I would say it cratered. <laughs> but yeah, it's like a, a lot of, you get this with a lot of characters, you know, like Wolverine comes out in X-Men and, you know, it's quickly under like Claremont's kind of writing him. You know, Claremont does that like Wolverine limited series kind of thing with uh Frank Miller, Frank Miller kind of, yeah. something like that. But then like eventually um like Larry Hama takes over like the Wolverine ongoing series and has like a very different voice for him, which I kind of liked. Um but then you keep going, right? He just you of course you're publishing Wolverine nonstop and he goes from being kind of like a honorable, honorable, nice guy, mercenary kind of type to like, you know, berserker madman kind of type to you know just angry f guy who drinks and smokes kind of stuff like everybody's kind of got their own take on it and like all right what is this character Mm. and it gets a little weird especially again you you know then he got his own got to be in multiple series with multiple writers and you know guest stars and all that nonsense and like the character kind of falls apart yeah, it's. I mean, it just have to feel schizophrenic in a way of like over here he's the tough guy, but in the book that came out that same week, he's in somewhere else and he's the mercenary. For, I don't know. Yeah, he's is. Um. So yeah, with like less chances to develop these characters, they're all a little bit more clear to us. I guess part of the charm of the new universe, if you ask me. I think so. Hmm. So, uh, you want to uh, give it a rating and wrap up? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Starbrand this time. That's a good question. B minus. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, "Mm, I'm looking at issues seven, eight, or eight, nine, and annual. I'm like, that's kind of C range stuff, but seven is really good. So I, I gave it B minus too. Yeah, I mean it's just this phase, but um, yeah, it, it's you're you're not wrong in thinking like Night Mask or, or uh, in particular Kickers was probably and... doing better. Kickers, yeah, as often as not, yeah, it's yeah, certainly more fun. So. Certainly more fun, yeah. Well, jumping on to Cyforce annual uh, seven through twelve plus the annual, lots um, of comics. Well, yeah, that's in terms of the page count, that's maxed out. I think we're tied for the most. Avoiding trouble from street gangs and government agents, a group of psychic teenage paranormal runaways is bound together by a psychic entity called the Cyhawk, who they resent and fear. Wayne, Tyrone, Kathy, Stasi, and Michael. They have no name for themselves, or they didn't, but Proudhawk called them Cyforce. Hmm. But died before he could get the t-shirts made. 
So in the, the first, uh, ha first phase, we had a good origin. We had five psychic teenagers. Maybe they were mildly psychic before the white event, but that really kicked off their like, power. And they were all rounded up by this rogue CIA agent, uh, Emmett Proudhawk. Proudhawk, uh, a Native American, as you uh, may guess, had a dream, um, a, a prophetic dream, that um, he would have five rabbits that would be, need to bind together um, to fight off uh, wolves, was it? Yeah. They would join forces and become a hawk, and the hawk would be able to fight the wolves. And I think it was even more literal, right? It was like a hawk went to defend them, but was taken down by the wolves. But then the rabbits formed together to make an even bigger hawk. <laughs> wolves all had like KGB bracelets on. Right. What? Um, yeah. Probably it was really kind of hard to make a connection between that dream and what was going on in the story. I like, got a little too artsy <laughs> with it and I just couldn't You're understand. Reading the book of uh, Revelation there, you just end up with a lot of what? I don't understand uh, the symbolism and imagery here. Yeah, it was uh, a little on the nose, but um, the, the the sort of psychic combination of the five teens did form a being that they called Cyhawk, who also seemed to have elements of Proudhawk himself, and then would uh, show up um, when they're in their greatest peril, and by combining all their powers into one focused and, you know, able being they they didn't weren't practicing their powers for a long time so even though they could do things they weren't really thinking like how can i you know lift things and then explode them for like greater effect or, or something like that so um so we had them um sent to live at a teen runaway center in san francisco called sanctuary um there's a they would get into fights with gangs at school and stuff like that. The the KGB from the first couple of issues kind of dropped off. Uh, and um, CIA that was also picking up on Proudhawk's trail uh, also dropped off. And we haven't seen those come back for a while. Um, and they've kind of, let's see, in seven, they started going to try to get more um, information about Proud, Proudhawk and the Cyhawk. So first they, well, and they also got kicked out of Sanctuary for a couple issues. Yeah. And so they had Not because there wasn't enough room in the Sanctuary. <laughs> By no means. Um, they, they went to Seattle and um, a couple of their people got like uh, endangered by a kitty porn ring or something it was yeah. a, a little I, I wrote more. weird scooby-doo child pedophile ring <laughs> to save kathy it was yeah darker than like it should have been by the tone of the book you know hey guys let's go solve a mystery the mystery is like uh <laughs> rape institutionalized rape I, it's yeah disturbing but, um row row <laughs> <laughs> okay moving back we head back to san francisco and were they were 
were sort of talking about looking into the mystery of Proudhawk when they ran into Cy Stalker, this uh, Thomas Boyd, who is like a uh, villainous um, psychic teen who um, there's like a uh, evil mastermind they knew behind the scenes. Um, and he was this guy's protege. So he'd attacked them before. Um, then he confronts them at Alcatraz and um, they manage to fight, but then he has sort of a change of heart because he, he realizes his mentor is trying to kill them and that his mentor doesn't like psychics anyway, and he's probably on borrowed time. So he ended up uh, helping them, helping form Cyhawk at one point, which was interesting. And then sort of taking off on his own at that afterwards. So we have a sort of an ambiguous, um, maybe hero, maybe villain situation. We had a issue one-off with um, teenage suicide. One of the kids at Sanctuary kills himself. And then Wayne feels guilty about it, particularly guilty. And he sort of investigates whether he had caused this himself with his power. Yeah, I called that one Wayne Has Feelings Part One. <laughs> Wayne, uh, always like the tough guy, but uh, definitely had a soft side in that one. Um, then we kind of get back on the trail of the, you know, the Proudhawk mystery. So they head out to the American Southwest, travel around uh, Apache reservations, trying to find Proudhawk's family. And when they finally do, they find like an um, angry younger brother who they have to argue with him and then try to learn from uh, Prodoc's grandmother, um, who's sort of a medicine woman, shaman type. Um, overall, they finally get uh, things settled with that um, and, and kind of get ingratiated into the, tr- the family. And the next issue, they're also still on the reservation Wayne has feelings for a girl and um, the kids start learning how to train their powers with the guidance of the Prodox brother somehow. Um, after another brush with death, they head back to San Francisco and Sanctuary. We have another kind of one-off with Stasi getting involved with the cult. Oh, um, 11 uh, at the end of the reservation piece though. Uh, that's when we get uh, Derek Shining Star revealed as the bad guy mastermind that's uh, that sent Psy Stalker after them in the first place too. So that's right. The kids still don't know it though. Right, but we know yeah. it. But we do. Yeah, it was a mystery to us, the reader, for a long time. A guy in shadow telling Boyd to do this or that, and uh, we finally find out that yeah, it was sort of an angry ex-partner um, and childhood buddy rival of right. Emmett Proudhawk. Um, Derek Shining Star, who's been the evil mastermind. So up till now, um, most of the danger has been from him, some from the KGB, I guess, um, some from random teenage gangs, gangs. Cool and Stig and whatnot. <laughs> That's the one. So interestingly, this one had one of the most impactful annuals. Um, while it, the the se- main series had 
I think by my count, um, a third of them were fill-in issues. Um, or a half. Anyway, um, the annual really had a good story with both flashbacks to when the kids individually got their powers and sort of their situation at the time, as well as a forward move with uh, Michael deciding to leave the team and be replaced by Thomas Boyd, Stalker. So we have a massive change up and um, as well as sort of informing the past of the team um, all in one pretty decent annual. Yeah. Pretty long, but pretty, pretty well done. I think we felt that was probably the best of the annual bunch, right? Probably. Yeah. The um, sort of surprising, but um, the, the, it was the original writer and artist, I think for the series, Mark Texiera and finger off. Both on oh it. right, yeah. Although, yeah, if you so. look at the the series from seven on, it's like the the child porn ring was a fill in, and then Fingeroth wrote the issue where you know Thomas Boyd, Cy Stalker, kind of faces off with them, and then if you skip the next fill in, you know it's the two issues on the reservation where you kind of get the villain reveal again, kind of the connection between. Cy Stalker and the guy who sent him. And then there's the other fill-in key issue number 12, where you get the first appearance of uh, who we call Ivan Drago, but he has no name. The bully uh, bodyguard that loves the rain now. <laughs> and then he the annual... A, he has a name. It's like Craig or something. Was it? Did he have a name? Oh, that's disappointing. I, I'll go. I like him better, oh, Ivan. Um, <laughs> forget I brought it up. So yeah, you've got one, two, three fill-ins in a six issues but then the annual kind of tips it to the um overall yeah so, so i mean that's a lesson for us i mean you don't need to like have constant forward motion but as long as you have occasional forward motion it feels like you're really you know, getting somewhere yeah and i feel like i was pretty happy with all of those except for the weird issue seven with the scooby horn yeah, uh, 12 was a little overwritten, but um, 7 was probably the most uncomfortable, so I'll give you that. <laughs> um, so let's see. So it was, I liked the like um, character arc of Thomas Boyd so far. Starts as sort of a, just another threat. Then he's like a conflicted threat. Now he's like, let me on the team, you know. So, is he kind of going to be like the new Wayne, though? Like, you know, where he hasn't quite bought in to a degree, or maybe they don't quite accept him right away. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Wayne now has to be the <laughs> the establishment guy, <laughs> or he can um, just keep mind controlling him. So, we'll see. Um, so it's a been a um, positive series i don't know we we enjoy it and um sort of looking forward to where we go next with that um but it's yeah. also like fairly consistently good so without a lot of complaints i'm i'm not sure what to tell you i <laughs> yeah well i think they're doing a good job managing the 
various characters uh in the previous run we started to get kind of you know or like this is kind of like the other half of you know a bunch of issues where like one issue might have focused on one character like you know the wayne uh issue where he's trying to deal with the guy he thinks he may be forced to commit suicide kind of thing um and then the annual was kind of like michael's issue to a degree uh, where it was, it was all very much him which is probably should have been one of those giveaways like oh, they're spending a lot of time on this guy's backstory maybe he's probably going to be the one that's going to leave yeah he uh at least he's like too young to kill like the troubleshooters college age you're like okay i don't know that's that's a reasonable time to off a character no one <laughs> likes to like off a 12 year old you'd feel like this is the saddest book yeah. i've ever read i was just listening to some stand-up comic and that was it was funnier than my paraphrase is going to be but it's something that was along the lines it's like you know the news the more the younger you are when you die the more the newspapers care about you right it's a good point you're older and alive we don't care you're young and you die you're an angel <laughs> no one's gonna say that like i had a lot of unfulfilled potential from, <laughs> i passed that point a while ago so i could have done so much more of pretty much the same stuff for the next few years i guess <laughs> science guy and professional unpaid podcaster <laughs> legacy Maybe our podcast will last longer than the new universe did. Oh, should I give it a grade? Yeah. Cyforce. Um, I'll give it a B. I went B plus. B plus, okay. Mm. It's um enjoyable, but um to me, I, I don't know. It's it I'll 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 still like look forward to it. Maybe I'll get even more into it. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like this was this seven to twelve was when it finally started doing something. Yeah, I couldn't buy that. It was. I mean, I kept waiting for something start. to happen. Yeah, and then the first couple of um, issues after that were kind of where are they going? I'm not sure. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 taken a direction, and we're pretty happy with it. So yeah, my my feeling is it's going to get strange, but. For now, I like it. <laughs> so, I have not read anything beyond what we've done episodes for, but I have paged through and seen some of the covers. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's the one where I always like look at the covers. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're showing me here. <laughs> it doesn't. And it, it's probably a good thing that like cover art can be really inconsistent too. It's like when some guy with an eye patch shows up and like, is that a character I know? But he lost an eyeball. I don't know. <laughs> So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and cover Justice in DP7. Round it out. So with the end of Cyforce begins the beginning of justice. 
uh, issues seven through 12 in this run. Uh, Tenson is our fish out of water, possibly an exiled alien policeman, possibly just a crazy person fighting drug dealing street punks and dark wizards from his home dimension. He wields the sword and shield of justice as he brings his black and white fight against evil to our morally gray world. Uh, our morally gray world, which is apparently, uh, oh shoot, what's the word they use in the book? Corrupting. Corrupting him, yes, thank you. <laughs> See, in, in the original plan, you were giving the recap for justice. So. Mm. The words the words they fail me. <laughs> it's it's better to keep us on our toes too. Uh, it's true. It's not true. like be the justice guy. And like <laughs> That's fair. I don't think I could give that up too easily anyway <laughs> um so yeah yeah justice in the early issues um you know magically and unexpectedly arrives in new york city with not much in the way of memory um starts killing people anyway because he can just look <laughs> at you and tell you if you're bad so <laughs> um that gets him into trouble with the fbi uh, but he ends up kind of partnering with a becky chambers who, who's a very important character and taxi driver Artie, who's maybe even a more important character just because we kind of like him. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they, they road trip out to LA to fight dad and son. <laughs> well, dad. Um, Still missing a yeah. evil wizards from his dimension. Uh, mostly kind of have it up on him for the most part. Um, and you know, they end up kidnapping Becky and bring bringing her back to you know the Winterlands, their dimension, um, and uh, Justice is kind of left hanging, trying to sort out the pieces. Um, so in our in the very end of the last bunch, you know, he kind of meets a little girl, but she ends up dying. Uh, she would have been a cool sidekick character, but oh well. Um, and he's kind of like back back on his mission as far as things go um so yeah so issue seven you know the little girl had died uh, issue seven also has the justice bros who are weak against revolvers uh so we find in that issue that justice tenson is probably the only competent justice warrior or they just really fall apart without him as uh now evil becky chambers takes them out pretty easy with a six shooter <laughs> oh I paged through that one today. I'm like, yes, I remember that one was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Tenson actually ends up getting framed in the next issue, number eight, for uh, uh, killing Becky Chambers. And uh, so he goes to jail in another kind of fun issue. Uh, that was a Jeff Isherwood. And you know, he like beats up the guards, but then stays in jail because the guards were kind of acting like jerks. Um, you know, we met the, uh, he kind of rebuffs the, um, like sexy lawyer character like she's like gonna maybe try and help him but we the audience knows early on that she's kind of working for the bad guys like the the winter wizards and such um there's always these sort of traps and plans being set in motion around justice so right he's always got always... something scheming against him yeah um and then we have a big shift so uh, those are kind of fun uh, but then with issue nine, we have this really awesome issue in the snow uh, where he's kind of out of jail, but bleeding and not well and comes across uh, like a serial killer, basically. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, just a, that really cool first uh, con first of a series of three Conway and Giffen issues um, where it's kind of back to like that really black and white, uh, you know, kill them all <laughs> uh, kind of vibe as far as things go. And, and then the art is really fun. It really pairs well with them. Um, I think maybe the night mask issue was the first appearance of little boo boo, <laughs> like a scrawled in the side, but there, there we actually met little boo boo. <laughs> it was just kind of a gun dealer or something, but, um, but yeah, so um, that's kind of a cool issue, but then also kind of the beginning of a downward spiral. So in 10, um, we get the really creepy new gods like Winterlands, uh, where they have a plan to like harness his corruption and use it against the Springlands, you know, so Webstrel and the king and the prince or the, the queen who he's maybe having a relationship with. Um, yeah, so Justice ends up killing Black Justice, not the black guy version of Justice, but an evil version of Justice. We've cast the new Justice movie and we have a black guy playing Justice. What do you mean that's... Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, I forget. He had a name, but uh, it was this, like... Yeah, whatever. Anti-justice would be a better word for him. It's like a fully corrupted Justice bro, I think. Could be. Well, the Justice Warriors, but for me, they're the Justice Bros because they're 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 fairly incompetent. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he ends up killing the evil Justice, but he does it angry. It's not like the just cold judgment of this guy's bad. He does it mad because he's you know angry about what happened with Becky, um, and like that's enough to provide the evil energy. Um, so in issue 11, we find that it, it's pretty much over for the Springlands. They've all been defeated and captured and killed. Uh, Webstrel with a half melted face comes back and, uh, you know, sacrifices himself to kind of power or purify justice back to normal. Um, so that's kind of like the things are looking bleak, but justice is back, right? Ready to take on the wizards of winter or find his way back. Um, but then we get a fill-in issue for 12, uh, which is disappointing because we were really jamming on the story. But it was also kind of fun. Uh, like it, it's a good fill-in, I thought, uh, with like the fast food killers, Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing. And uh, the writers were Chichester and Clark. And I think they did an okay job. But it felt so, a little yeah. like a previous justice than what we were rolling with at the time. Yeah, you really had a lot of momentum going out of that 11. He's like, I'm back. And he looked like he was ready to take on the world, the world being the Winterlands. And uh, it was yeah. kind of a combination of like, you know, absolute defeat on his like other dimension, but like also having uh, Damon is going to come here. So things here are going to get worse. And I, I'm the only thing that can protect this world against those people or something that felt like pretty strong yeah um the justice food fast food killers yeah chichester and clark went on to work on the Shadowline comics i think i i was investigating them more recently and yeah they uh working under archie goodwin wrote you know were like consistent writers for these three or four books uh that came out a year or two after this and this oh, was okay. Like, um, uh, yeah, this was a good example um, 
a couple of these other books that people, um, like Cyforce on the 12, where like Stasi, um, you know, that, that, that sort of the religious in. cult one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they sometimes come in and feel a little overwritten or something. This didn't, yeah, it was like the good solid justice action movie vibe you get. Yeah. And the play off between like hard boiled police guy and justice who, you know, has his own methods kind of thing. were kind of fun. Yeah. So we'd lost, yeah, the Arnie and Becky uh, supporting cast we had formed over the first few issues. And I don't know, it would like uh, Detective, what's his name, be a good supporting cast? Maybe. Maybe the ghost of Sarah. Ghost <laughs> of Sarah. Yeah. Good drag. Yeah. Depending on how. Uh, creative you want to get undoing death in the new universe uh, <laughs> well we've got a few um, she's not dead she just got sent to the shadow realm <laughs> that's a Yu-Gi-Oh reference <laughs> that was a fun thing because uh, like the Yu-Gi-Oh was the card game and like the Japanese version was like really brutal like the manga and stuff like people would just get killed and shot and stuff but when they brought the cartoon over here like you can't show kids that somebody's getting killed so they're like he got banished to the shadow realm. <laughs> there was a great bit where like they were like whoever lost the match would be like dropped through the wall, like off of a skyscraper, basically. It's like kind of like they're on a plank kind of thing. But you could tell they like edited in like some kind of like hazy fog at the bottom. So in the in the original show, they probably splattered. But Shadow Realm, no. <laughs> they're like uh Put in some rubber band effects. Boing. Yeah. Ah, he just bounced when he hit the Oh, his parachute uh, <laughs> deployed. He's fine. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, you know, even changing writers with justice and, you know, changing the, the vibe for it. It's still a, like a basic enough uh, story that really feels like it moves. And you're just sort of looking at a different aspect of the same character somehow. So, yeah, um, yeah, it, it helps. I think they kind of changed between good writers, right? Maybe. I mean, that they're, yeah. I've got nothing, nothing but good things to say about those. Um, so, yeah, some of these cases, like the old writers, you know, Carrie Bates and. Uh, Roy Thomas, I was like, I don't know. Guy was big in the seventies, but no, in the eighties they could still do some good stories. So yeah, I've learned a lot from that. Um, yeah, so I we, probably would have been happy if they just kept like Jeff Fisherwood kind of thing, like if he just kept rolling. Um, but then having like that taste of Conway Giffen, of like, okay, I want more of this. Uh, <laughs> so. You know, I'm I'm wary now because it's um, I'm not sure what we're coming back to. This is not one of the series I had ever read before past issue one. So and I have not spoiled it for myself. Uh, I know there's a, a big change at some point, but I know it's not next issue. So I really have no idea what to expect next in the, you know, next couple issues as far as things go. Are we going to get more 
closure yes. with Winterlands and Becky and her deadly revolver, or are we going back to just kind of basic justice in the city? I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, we'll see like how these like upcoming changes go. I, I mean, if you took like nine to eleven and said, okay, Winterland is like I say gone, and you're not getting back there. I mean, that's that's a reasonable sort of direction for the series as well. Um, but if you, I mean, it's felt open and ended enough that like. He could sort of try to uh, stage the war, take the war back there again, too. I mean, I right. don't know. I would be, I'm interested to see where it goes. It's, um, it's always um, worked pretty well for me. For what um, there's, even though I called it the Punisher, it's got a sort of a tone all its own. Um, it wouldn't really work well in the Marvel universe itself. Um, no. sort of over the top brutality, but even here, it's, it's a little weird to, to match with some of the other books, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, night mask seems to be able to match with everybody. <laughs> like let's have this guy's dream and this guy's dream and this guy's dream kind of thing. But yeah, it would be, yeah, I'm not sure how, uh, Justice interaction with Starbrand would be like that would just be kind of tricky. <laughs> it's like I said uh, once before. There is like a I remember an ad where it's like one of these characters will kill a million people. <laughs> and, uh, Justice is the only one that I can imagine, you know, wanting to do that. So. Yeah, or maybe early Mark <laughs> Hazard. <laughs> I don't think he was on the list though. No, it's. Uh, well, it's a, uh, let me see. I, I would give it a B plus at least. Um, okay. I went straight A on that one. Straight A. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think. Uh, maybe. Maybe, yeah, I'm a, maybe I'm, seven. Wasn't super strong, but, you know, all the other issues kind of looking back through them, like I, I thought they were all good. So. It's, it is a little weird that with the tonal shift, but yeah, I was happy with all of all of the justice this go around. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't hedge, hedge my bet so much. I could I could imagine at least an A minus here. Mm-hmm. Quick uh, edit, edit. <laughs> well, it's like you know, I, I like Night Mask, right? But it, it had some problems, so like that felt like a B plus, and I feel like Justice is a step up from Night Mask. I would say that. That's my my and definitely a step up well. from Sci Force too, though I also enjoyed Sci Force. That's right. Okay. Hey, don't let me convince you. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, in each of my cases, I'm like, you know, relative to uh, whatever my baseline is. Yeah, better than Sci Force, better than Night Mask. Yeah, so. better than the first six of Justice too. So. Those Giffen issues are so solid. I mean, yeah, <laughs> love that stuff. Well, um, let's see. Let's move on to DP seven. Yeah, already the um, co-contender for the most uh, issues published seven through twelve plus an annual. Oh, let me say, like Justice did not have an annual. 
for some I kind reason. of, yeah, the, the, there's nothing to like look backwards at if that was part of their strategy. I don't know. You could have done justice in the Springlands. You think? I mean, yeah, it would have been kind of weird, yeah. but. <laughs> you would have had to um, straight, you know, the full 40 page story in the Springlands. So. Oh, yeah, that'd be a little tough. Uh, and, well, I don't know. Maybe you could have given more background on Dad. That's true. Or you could have just had the Ragnarok, like, final confrontation. This is where Springland ends. We're mm-hmm. doing it all in one shot. And from now on, Justice will be stuck on Earth, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. That'd um, be pretty rough. But... Well, would have been a cool so- issue. It would have been okay. Well, let, me, <laughs> let me not distract myself. All right. So DP seven having the uh, full six issues plus an annual DP seven seven random people once ordinary and average begin to display powers extraordinary and paranormal in the wake of the white event. Uncertain how to use or even live with their new abilities and their families' reactions. Their lives are upended by the clinic they went to for help, which has now kidnapped them in a bid to control them. Randy, Dave, Stephanie, Charlie, Jeff, Scuzz, and Lenore. They are seven displaced paranormals on the run, or as we call them, DP7. So DP7, as uh, we've mentioned um, before, is consist- the most consistent title Um Mark Ruinwald created and wrote every issue up to this point. And Paul Ryan wrote, uh, drew everything through all first 12 issues, plus a kicker's ink, uh, number yep. five, but did not do the annual. That was the new uh, work of Lee Weeks, who's still relatively new at the time. Um, we gave Ryan a vacation day. <laughs> You can have a day off, Ryan, but don't uh, don't go out of town. Um, the f- over the first few issues, um, we had uh, the cl- the team sort of assembled at the clinic by the clinic, which they realized was a nefarious purpose. Um, it was, you know, either washing their minds or trying to control them physically or something. So. This group of paranormals uh, banded together and broke out and headed across country without really much of a plan or much re- in the way of resources. So they were very um, living hand to mouth um, in, in a, someone's back of someone's camper, really um, not having a good time of it. But they had little adventures along the way fighting off other paranormals sent by the clinic or um, solving a local mystery um, trying to cure themselves then most of them aren't really that happy with their powers Um, and uh, the tensions in the team which Gruenwald had you know intended it to be a team that's not quite like any uh, comic book team that had been published up till now. So there's an age of range of ages and personalities and what have you that, you know, you wouldn't expect them to get along indefinitely. So they did not. Um, it started off with, I think, Scuzz storming off 
And yep. while the team was like, come on, man, stick with us. You'll be in danger. He stormed off and was uh, got himself in trouble pretty quickly. Uh, he he um, got beaten up by bang, by bikers and then um, uh, nursed back to health with a young woman and then um, discovers that like his relationship options are severely limited thanks to his paranormal ability and was pretty upset about that. So after a um, dramatic some poor woman's face, <laughs> so after a very uh, dramatic um, re- retribution against these bikers who beat him up, um, he was with, like the first one captured by a new group of um, oh, what do you call them? Like a SEAL team, um, first response. Anyway, first yeah. strike team. What do you call it? Um, they're just kind of like not hitmen, mercenary kind of dudes, but yeah, they were a good like group of mercenaries that worked well together. And uh, without uh, paranormal powers, still managed to uh, pose a pretty strong um, challenge to the DPs because they had um, probably um, you know normal. Uh, mercenary type skills but as well they had a um, someone back in the clinic coordinating them and pinpointing where the dps were so they always sort of had the upper hand in these confrontations did not really stand a chance no so seven starts off we've got um starting that to capture that them they get about three in the first issue while um, the team itself has split up basically into two groups of three each, um, one of them going back to try to get Stephanie's kids. That team, um, let's see, Dave is fighting Stephanie's ex-husband, or well, husband. And, yeah, there's that uh, great panel where he throws them on the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really nice uh, work, but um, half the each team gets captured. Um, so half of each team gets captured, and then the um, uh, next issue, I think they got the rest except for Dave. Dave was still like out on the run. Uh, but um, we then segue into a issue that's just a um, Randy dreaming, like under the influence of these uh, psychics at the clinic that are kind of brainwashing them all. And so we have these sort of a matrix of possibly completely fictitious characters and situations that are uh, training him to, I don't know, be obedient or something. Um, And volleyball. And a lot of volleyball for some reason. Um, So there's more paranormals back at the clinic, we'll assume. the follow-up issue to that, we had um, what happened to Dave, who has run off into the woods and met a um, guy who's just living off the woods, I guess. Um, the woods man. Let's call him that, yes. That's, <laughs> I like that. Um, the woodsman, we never did. Uh, Grizzly Adams had a bear, right? That was... That's right, yeah, yeah. Right. This guy woodsman had, a... had like a wolf dog. Yeah. Um, 
So he's a pretty like cool guy. Who's like a became kind of a mentor to Dave. So Dave stayed with him, and they went into the Canadian woods or something. Um, he's so far out in the um, wilds that the psychics couldn't find him because they they could only recognize what he could see. So if he's out in the woods where he doesn't know anything, then he's essentially safe. So um, he's up there for a few months, they say. And at some point, he finally feels bad about leaving his friends and decides to come back and face up and try to help them. He, along the way, um, meet, well, he gets like the, once he gets back to civilization and recognizable landmarks, the uh, hunters are on him again. And during uh, another flight through another woods, um, he finds a, yet another group of paranormals called the ES people. They're made out of people. <laughs> it's, they are um, just a, like a sort of a shy gang of a half dozen paranormals who rescue him from the hunters um, by coordinating their powers. In groups like Cyforce and DP7, you really have to like twist their arms to get them to train, let alone to train together and sort of think up useful strategies for combating people using their powers. But these guys had like, you know, managed to do it all on their own. So it is possible in the new universe. Yeah. Importantly, they give him like a psychic protection too. Yeah, by like removing his memories of them, they also give him a lock for other people reading his mind. And the next issue, so Dave is immediately tranked once he leaves their protection. But um, it turns out to be good for the long haul because without um, having people being able to read his mind, he uh, he's not susceptible to control by the clinic anymore at all. So even though they grab him and take him back and are thinking, well, now we can start work on him, it immediately backfires on the clinic. Um, half of them are zapped out by trying just trying to to go into his head. Um, so we get the he heads into the final confrontation. Um, gets Randy, who is still, because of the nature of his power, not very susceptible to this kind of brainwashing. But the other four members of the group um, were, they were all like, we're not leaving the clinic. We love it here. Free food. <laughs> all right. And Stephanie had been zapped by these psychics when they were um, fighting over whether, like, basically one of them was going to kill her or not. Um, we um, we had a final confrontation with Dave and Randy versus Philip Nolan Voigt, the head of the clinic, who, as it turns out, is a paranormal, calling himself Overshadow. So yeah. he has the power of like whatever your power is times four. So <laughs> it's a little overpowered, honestly. It's a mod. So he's stronger than Dave and he has a bigger antibody than Randy. But as it turns out, Randy's uh, power is always kind of like a, a wild card. So in this case, he had um, not only created more antibodies, but they were able to overcome uh, Voight. Voight. 
I don't know, vanished in a puff of smoke or something, exploded. Mm. Um, and when we left them at the end of 12, Dave and Randy, for all, you know, feel like they're in control of the clinic now. And perhaps they are. So, what could go wrong? A lot of weird paranormals who are, uh, well, they're mostly brainwashed, so they shouldn't be in trouble. You know who could take out Voight, no problem? Most of the kickers, right? As long as there's no other powered people around, like Brick Wall is like a big, strong, regular dude. You can't steal his powers. So big, strong guy against older guy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Let's get those kickers back here. We can finally <laughs> take this guy down. Um. Yeah, the annual was um, a flashback of all of them getting their powers. So that didn't really um, do much for us. But yeah. um, I wrote mostly pointless backstory. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't, um, you know, didn't, anything necessary to move forward with. We were introduced to a new paranormal called The Witness. And we'll supposedly see him again in the future. But for now, um, the main story was compelling from issue to issue. It was always something happening, something building, always in character. And the art is always uh, very clear, very, very well done. So if there's a book that uh, I think we're all like uh, thoroughly happy with, it would be DP7. Right. And so whether that's like, you know, uh, if you were to like build the new universe over again, you might like use it as the center point. Yeah. Yeah. You honestly might. <laughs> um, maybe start with DP7 and spin off ideas from it. I don't know. Um, it's a, I mean, the powers and like the, the idea of treating them realistically like work well in isolation so it doesn't help if like the avengers are always like you know running into you or something um so for you know, so for a lot of reasons it works well in the new universe and as an example of the new universe yeah um, yeah i think the only thing that felt a little strange is just how quickly they ended up dispatching voight and kind of in that you know, it was like a handful of panels or something almost for that final confrontation or, or just a couple of pages. Um, but it was oh, cool. Like, like it was fun. It was exciting. I was, just, I was just a little surprised, like even having read it before in my head, it's like, I feel like that could almost be like an issue long of <laughs> struggling in the clinic kind of thing. But yeah, you can, it's a very can, minor complaint. You can imagine. I, I, I think I when I we headed out of eleven and into twelve, I was like, "Here's the showdown at the clinic." I was like, imagining a couple of pages of like Dave getting into the clinic door, and then you know, eighteen pages of throwdown. But yeah, <laughs> I always like go back to like the the first issue of Star Brand where like like the the confrontation with the old man was like the final two pages or. And it was like one of three fight scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, come on. You're not going to wrap it all up. At... Oh, yeah, I guess you did. Okay. <laughs> um, it's, it's, you know. So, yeah, you've got paranormals, which are the kind of the signature 
whatever uh, way of describing superpowers in the new universe. You've got Grunewald's amazing at just like, you know, keeping, you know, these core seven characters very vivid, easily distinguished. And then he'll just bring on another half dozen and you can easily distinguish them too, you know. It's yeah. never very samey or anything. Um, that's a lot of fun. The stories kind of range from, I was saying, The Fugitive to The Matrix. You've got, you know, all kinds of um, variety within the stories. Um, and yeah, even the villains and side characters are pretty well developed. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like, oh, these bad guys at the clinic. A couple issues later, you see them like arguing amongst themselves. And you're like, oh, actually, this guy is the, the biggest jerk. These other two are, you know, right. they could go either way. And they have their own sort of feelings for each other, agendas. That's yeah, cool. I, would, I would say also for uh, DP7, um, like it does maybe the best job out of all the books and it's kind of like giving us some clues, but keeping things kind of mysterious kind of thing. Like um, the t- first 12 issues, like it took us 12 issues to kind of get to like what Voight's all about and kind of what's his motivation kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, just things to kind of think about and kind of wonder in a good way, right? It's not all put out there. Um, like Cyforce had the kind of background villain, but you know, he didn't play much of a role in a lot of the issues. So you're not really spending time wondering who he is. So then the reveal is a little more flat, you know, whereas, you know, trying to figure out what the clinic is actually trying to do, right? Or, you know, are they going to survive and gonna kind of get captured throughout, uh, you know, and you know building to them kind of you know the different characters getting along like everything's kind of done well it's got you know enough of that little you know i'm not wondering per se where the story's gonna go i'm also kind of wondering but well i am but i'm also kind of wondering like you know what's going on with these characters right what what is the backstory and i'm excited when i get little tidbits of it you know that kind of stuff you can pull off when you're the when you're writing the whole series, I guess, and you can't when it's switching around. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't feel like I mean, that came out super clear, but good writing, I guess. Yeah, the like the fundamental mystery of the new universe, I guess, is the white event, and you've only gotten after a whole year, like one villain who maybe has some insight into it, telling people that, yeah, that's the reason you have powers. And we still don't even know what that what it was, right? But, you know, I would at least blame it on that. So okay, so that's a start. Um, interesting, but yeah, it, it would that always felt like a mystery to me in the early days of the new U. Um, yeah, I would. You want me to go first this time? I. Okay, go. Are we grading? <laughs> I guess. Are you just kind of stalled there a little bit? Yeah, I was trying to remember if there was computer was processing. <laughs> I was hoping you would think the Zoom was stuck, uh, but no. <laughs> um, no, it's just your MS DOS is uh, working on loading the directory. I'm thinking A minus since I'm always like very happy with it, but I 
trying to reserve an A for something superlative. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, I gave it an A. I think uh, if I was going to give justice an A, BP7, yeah. there's no, 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 no bad sides, right? There's, there's no problems. Then. It's, I don't know if it's good or bad that both of them come out the same week um, in the schedule. And like um, if it would have uh, having two strong books paired with weaker books to kind of prop them up would have helped. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Justice in the beginning probably was a little bit weaker, or at least it was like the first six was a bit more problematic than the, the last six, I would say. So Justice got better. DP7 was always good, right? Starbrand got worse, right? Sideforce got better. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I think that's that sums up our thoughts on DP7. For overall new universe thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we were talking a little bit already about the white event not mattering too much, um, which honestly doesn't really bother me. Um, I feel like even if even if you never really figured it out, like um, obviously you need some way to kind of kickstart the universe, and like I don't feel like you really necessarily have to explain it. Like you know, fans of will of course want to know, and you know, and it's okay to be curious. But you know, it's like, hey, well, we need something to give the people powers in the first place, right? Is any explanation going to be satisfying though, <laughs> right? Some sort of quantum mishap alien super force you know i don't know yeah they're just all different ways of waving your hands right Um, like who cares we got powers in 1986 and that's kind of fun yeah i think the um even the ones that aren't um, tied into it i mean merc had fun moment you know had promise even without being tied into the white event so yeah yeah definitely would have felt bad in the canceled issues like the different type of characters that never got to interact with the paranormal which you know it could have been a fun thing to do for mark hazard and spitfire and such and even the kickers really didn't uh come across like paranormal challenges other than the dp7 issue with the misunderstanding fight yeah it's I don't know. It was the white event was brought up a lot in the sort of promotional material and the interviews and then within the books themselves, not so much. So, you know, it's, yeah, the sort of thing, maybe like it works better as backstory than it's like, I'm going to give you a hand wave, the explanation of it. Yeah. And really like of the original team to come up with the new universe, right. It's like, you know, the, Spitfire guys got swapped out immediately, right? Like they didn't even kind of get to take the book. And it was Shooter, who of course kind of handled it a little bit in Starbrand. Uh, Gruenwald and and DP7 kind of talked about the white event more than the others. But yeah, a lot of the other uh, starting teams, uh, like Archie Goodwin, like lasted an issue or two in, in his comics. So you know, maybe he would have been the one to do more white event stuff, but the guys that took it over probably just didn't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's, it's possible that some of them had like different ideas of what the white, what they were going to do with the white event. Yeah, right. Or maybe the edit, maybe editor in chief's just like, you know, 
don't try and explain it. You'll ruin it. Wait, and we'll do it later. I think that would have been a, a good idea, even if it was just by accident. But yeah, don't don't spend like issue two of Starbrand being like, oh, and here's the white, you know, Mister White Event. Oh, why did you give everyone powers, Mister White Event? I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think I don't know. It reminds me of the the one of the other things about the new universe is like, you know, why, why is Justice an alien? Why is you know they're an alien in whatever is? Why is there a fantasy world in Justice? Why is there a alien in Starbrand and all this? I thought you said there were none of those things. They said the elements would be very controlled. Right. It's like it's not that there's no aliens. It's that you don't have a different alien showing up every week, which, you know, there's no way you can rationalize that as like a realistic situation, especially when you're like, you know, there's 50 different types of people who all came from Mars. But how did, how does that make sense? It doesn't, you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot of like weird things stuck in the Marvel universe like that. And, uh, even for DC with like Martian Manhunter was supposed to be like the last Martian until they kept having more last Martians. And we can have blue Martians too, right? I mean, why yeah. not? Did I say you can't? Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, you get all these like, um, you know, variables that, that come out. But if you kind of start with a weird thing and build off of that, you know, why not? Yeah. You got to have something. And really, the CIA is the real villain of the new universe, issues <laughs> 1 through 12. <laughs> we did see a lot of CIA. We saw some of Afghanistan. I was afraid like all the books would end up there by the 12th issue, but yeah. luckily we did not. Um, yeah, we got a healthy mix of Afghanistan and South America. Which, okay, interesting. It was not um, like shown in a very flattering light, but it was a rough time. It's, uh, yeah... The, the let's see i had th was just thinking when i was going over these things that maybe like the psi force would have been better matched with something like the clinic where they're like a group of teens running away from this you know medical center like a training center right the dp7 being older and bigger would be more matched to like the cia and governments and hmm. people sort of tracking them down like that yeah and the clinic having an infinitely large building would make more sense because they got more research resources than a san francisco landowning not-for-profit yeah. um land's cheaper in wisconsin that's true you can have as big much space as you want out there <laughs> um i don't know let's see other notes that um I think this reading style week to week worked pretty well um, month to month versus reading title, you know, each title individually. Um, I mean, that's the way, what they were written for to sort of just have things out every month. And, you know, that, that, that's maybe the way they're the most entertaining now. Yeah. I think that is definitely the case too. I mean, I, it's still weird that like such a, event of marvel history isn't like collected in graphic novels but we talked about last time how like some of them would be kind of sloppy uh to read one-to-one -one. so but i wonder if like 
releasing them in kind of like the chronological order collection like we're doing them would almost be better right so just go star brand one spitfire one right just kind of so they're all collected uh, in release order not story uh, by yeah story. yeah it would feel more like a like a japanese um what do you call it the boys oh, like those anthology manga things yeah right right you could do shonen like new universe yeah, I mean, four issues at a time, and um, they're printed cheap the first time. So you know, don't knock yourself out this time. But yeah, because like I remember being—I mean, you introduced me to the new universe, and I think I got Starbrand first, and then DP Seven after that. Um, and then I started finding the other comics in the cheap bin, but I, I definitely remember reading Justice number one and be like, oh, wow, this is cool. And then reading Justice number two, and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> like the tone changed completely. Um, but then coming back to it, like after a month, like it was definitely not as jarring. It definitely, there was a shift there, but because the writer changed, but it wasn't, uh, it didn't drive me nuts. Yeah, I mean, this is years before writing for the trade. And yeah, yeah, you can really see where it becomes a problem trying to collect things that were just going month to month. And yeah, the, the um, overall, uh, some of these collections would be a little rough to read. You could uh, put a few issues together or, you know, I, if you could find someone to finish off couple of the promising storylines you know, that might also help what happened to your gnome <laughs> no gnome and i mean he's still out there somewhere right I, I just like our theory that he just ran out of money <laughs> <laughs> that weird like cyborg version of him that we, the last we saw was pretty great like right. i mean probably really just a lot of batteries him. right like udo and what's his name like uh later we gotta you can't afford to pay us <laughs> your check bounced you know we gotta go <laughs> your check bounced so we're gonna bounce <laughs> um so yeah i mean the comics back then they're all a very 80s writing style a little wordy to today's taste probably but if you feel you know if you tried other 80s comics that, that's you know they're they're in there with um, a lot of other good um, series with a similar feel to them yeah um, it's curious to think like which like what should what series should people start with kind of right out of, out of all these eight like do you start with like the consistent and kind of best one and go with like dp7 or does that spoil you a little bit for the rest of them um, everybody seems to ha kind of have their favorite uh, of the fans of the new universe but yeah um i mean trying to um even read one title you'll still get crossovers tp's issue of crossing over with kickers i i'm I, this was the first time i ever read that so it was mm. probably like wow okay if i'd have read that before and or just gone from whatever issue of DP to the next one and not red kickers i would have been like did i miss uh, something there's like the numbers are here but well anyway the the um, light episodic entertainment i mean it's 
what they were going for back then, and they succeed pretty well. Yeah, and if you're not going into it trying to think like this should be like reading Watchmen or something, then like the bad issues are fun. Some of them, right? You know, my our weird uh, B team imaginary B team list of characters, you know, generally comes from you know comics that aren't necessarily the best best comics, but have some kind of wackiness that is just kind of fun and works. Right. Um. So let's see. There's some. Uh, you want to do best uh, and worst? Yeah. Do you have any uh, worst? Uh, yes. Want to point yes. out? Yeah. We uh, do have. I mean, there were off issues. So. Yeah. I mean, they're almost all villain-ish. Um, for me, for Starbrand, for me, the worst is annoying sick kid who I mistakenly called annoying orphan because I feel like his parents should ditch him. <laughs> you can't ditch him if he's sick. Come on. Yeah, leave him in the hospital. <laughs> Are my parents here? Uh, weirdly, no. Uh, is someone paying for this kid? I don't, why is he here? He just dropped off a bunch of comic books and left you there. <laughs> um, Farm needs us, Timmy. Let me, yeah, let me give you my worst four of this this group, and then you can do worst. Um, Cyphers, I thought it was pretty easy. The the issue seven where they have to rescue Kathy uh, from the pornographers. Um, Justice is a harder one to call. I'd probably say um, probably issue seven, uh, which I still kind of enjoyed. Uh, that was a lot of time spent in the Winterlands with Becky and Damon, <laughs> uh, who was really whiny <laughs> before he turned evil and menacing again. Um, it was weak. I gave it kind of a and not as good, not really a terrible issue. And then TP sevens just got to be the annual. Like, you know, it wasn't that exciting. I didn't really like the witness, I guess, for that one. But that's a mild one as well. Yeah, I'm with you with those. Um, Starbrand, I actually like. Thought the annual was the weakest. Um, I I. Uh, it yeah. just uh, didn't go anywhere. I, I would have a hard time just arguing against that. Um, so I went to Cyforce uh, 7 was more disturbing than it should have been. Um, eh, Night Mask, I don't know. Nine was a little less less fun than the others, but it's okay. I mean, yeah, if you were going to do a Keith Loves Lita Mercado issue, it could have, you know, like, we're your audience for that. You could have done a better one. <laughs> um, Spitfire's last couple of issues were thoroughly disappointing for different reasons. Um, Kicker's probably 11 was the, the, the most uh, difficult for me. It was very, it was a little overwritten. Um and it didn't get like a payoff. That was the cocaine like, janitor issue. <laughs> yeah, it was. There's fun elements to it, but like when you get a thing like Darlene sick, and then she's not, it's just like okay, that didn't. I, yeah, that annoyed me more than. Yeah, that one was problematic. <laughs> last couple of issues of Merc, where where we we are shooting 
Mark Hazard and um, replacing him. Um, yeah, you know, for obvious reasons. Not great. Turning that around, what were our best issues? Mm. Um, I, I'm, I have, I'm happy to say Justice Nine through Eleven was pretty great. Um, yeah, I picked nine out of that as the, the standout with the that snowy issue. It's a gr- it's it's real. Uh, yeah, grabs you. Um, Merc Annual, I really did like. Um, if you have to move on from Merc, where I'm not going to, um, I'm, I'm glad we got a like a good double issue of both, you know, him and his friends. Like, okay, why was the series like this? It's so frustrating. <laughs> But um, you can get good uh, issues all, all, out of really any of these uh, series. Um, let's see, what was Kicker 7? Is that the Stewardess? That's the Circus, I think. Circus, oh, circus of, crime. of Crime, yeah. Man, that is so much fun. It is fun. I'm going to go read that one again. <laughs> yeah. um, with the consistency of DP7, it's hard to pick one out. 11? Mm. The uh, yes, people was fun, but maybe I'm just an uninspired uh, choice, sir. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the one where it, it's all Randy's dreams was pretty uh, unique. So at least that one is um, sort of stands on its own. If you have like mm-hmm. a, a one issue, you got to read one thing. I would check that out. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Um, for the ones we talked about today, I mean, Starbrand 7 is definitely the best of the four Starbrand comics that we got. Uh, so that's sort of an easy choice. Uh, Cyforce, uh, I kind of picked the, the second one on the reservation. Uh, that's where, you know, we learn who the villain is. Uh Wayne loses his girlfriend. So he's got that kind of like struggle where he's he needs to save people, but it's freaking out Jenny. <laughs> uh, right. If like, he does, if he shows that he has these powers, then she'll think that he's using them on her. Yeah. Them. And then in the end, he has to kind of decide: does he want to wipe her mind? And he kind of does, but mostly just to forget about him. Right. <laughs> she still hates him. Um, yeah, Justice, I, I already said that was issue nine in the snow. And then, yeah, DP7, I picked Randy in Dream World. Uh, it's got volleyball. It's got new characters. It's kind of got like a fun what's going on feel to it. Um, so, yeah, that one's kind of neat uh, as far as kind of waking up. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would probably agree with Kicker 7. Uh Mark Hazard, I'm not going to pick a favorite as far as that goes, to be perfectly honest. Um, and yeah, Spitfire and Nightmask are kind of hard or to pick. Uh, standout best issues as well, uh, if I'm being perfectly honest. There's some good ones, um, but not like... Uh, maybe the Justice issue of Nightmask would be a standout. Again, not to overload the love for the Giffen stuff, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's that was Justice Eight or Nightmask Eight was was kind of a justice issue. Yeah, I, I mean, Spitfire had 
parts I liked, but I can't really even say one of them was like a best issue. Even well, it's I don't want to get like into the dissatisfactions we had sometimes. But, <laughs> Just um, say the introduction of VHS tape, Professor Swenson's <laughs> top issue, and destruction of strong arms equals worst issue. There we go. <laughs> uh, so we continued the themes of um, that the, these are superpowers, not superheroes. Um, we've got a realistic world and things will have realistic consequences. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's the 80s nostalgia is pretty hot, strong in these. So I enjoy a lot of these things. Sometimes the world today seems a little more 80s retro than i thought but once i start looking at it it's like hmm, that's still going on isn't it hmm, that's weird yeah we uh, have a bit more of the i don't know would it be like 60s or 70s kind of like social justice war kind of stuff too combined with 80s commercialism to some sort of 2020s mess that we're in here yeah, yeah, like a 60s, 70s, like domestic unrest, but like an 80s um, foreign policy um, confrontations simultaneously, something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, I will, um, we will take uh, a break next week as we recoup from our <laughs> year of... Um, New Universe phases one and two. And we will come back with a phase three, starting with um, Cyforce 13 uh, soon. Um, in the meantime, we'll be findable at our uh, website, Comics Inc. Uh, Kickers Inc. Comics Inc. Where is my head going? Am I wearing down? Possibly. I think you are. <laughs> you can e always email us at newuniversepodcast at gmail.com and eh, eh. I think we can finish up this last bit right you can close us out with the voice of the new we've been the voice of the new universe and, and we'll see you back at the spinner rack don't throw away the duck <laughs> or at least don't stop don't stop listening to our podcast <laughs> we won't throw away the duck. Duck's got to come back in Starbrand, right? It's going to happen. It's got to happen. All right. Well, Should tune we... in for that next episode. And hopefully you enjoyed season two because we sure enjoyed making it. Um, except for, yeah, even the bad issues are a lot of fun. So go buy some they comics. <laughs> go yes. buy some comics and read them. Thank you for your support time. and keep reading the comics. You can tell that we're off script now and we're talking over each other. <laughs> What? How many times script? can we say goodbye in a different way? Uh, we're just running up the time on the Zoom clock here now. Good want to talk. <laughs> okay. Let's fix call it in it post. In. I'll fix it in post. <laughs>